Wow. Well, good morning. Thanks for stirring them up with that, honey. Appreciate it. You look like a flower today, nice, bright, and yellow. You're my little flower. <laughs> Stop right now. I'm going to be in trouble. I'll come back to that later, I'm sure. Okay, Proverbs, today's the 22nd. You know me, I love this. this is toss a proverb up there. Proverbs 22.1. I didn't get very far on the list today. A sterling reputation is better than striking it rich. A gracious spirit is better than money in the bank. That's a good one. I, uh, you know, I'm, we're, we're starting a new series today, and um, I've been thinking about this and working on this for quite some time, and I get my inspiration from different places. And this one, uh, partly the inspiration happened um, because of the environment, my study at home. On my wall, I've got five posters that are uh, not the kind of posters you might buy at a rock and roll record store, although I like rock and roll records. Um, there's something that the, the posters that are in there that are, are over 50 years old, and I bought them in an art store that uh, specialized in antique posters, and they're not very big, and um, they're, part, they're, they're part of a march, much larger collection. I've only got five of them, and I thought I might show them to you today. And so uh, one at a time, we'll take a look at them. Now, I'm, I want to slow down here for a second. You'll notice that the name of this poster, it says America's Moral Strength across the bottom. They'll all say that, I think. And then uh, this one's on honesty. And if you look closely, you can see a little insignia right here. I want to talk about that for a second. So uh, one of America's moral strength, honesty. Next one, ambition. You can see a, a young couple looking at a home site, and, and they are imagining what their household and their family will look like someday. And they have an intention to take their car with the big fins on it and work their way towards that house. The next one. Together we stand, and you'll see a cross-section of different uh, workers in different kind of uh, jobs and so forth. Again, you'll see the little seal down there in the corner. This one's about unity. Go ahead. We're going to talk about this is next week's topic. We're going to be on the topic of gratitude. That's the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, America's Moral Strength, and then one more that I have. And this one's about moderation. And you can't really see this probably because of where you are. But what's going on here is you see, uh, obviously, a man in the military, could be a person not in the military, walking on a road, and there are several intersections, and there are, tra- there are street signs, and they say, excess one direction, moderation another direction. And if you look closely at the message here, uh, moderation is always up the road. And what's up the road? Three things are up the road. A home, a church, and an education system. And um, this is uh, a moral message. This is, this, this is a moral message. Here's what that little seal means. If you look closely, you'd see that it says Department of the Army or Department of Defense. In the late 1950s and the early 1960s, the Army and the Department of Defense printed up a series of posters called America's Moral Strength. There were 10 or 11 or 12 of them. They're very rare now. And anyway, they printed these up, lots of them, and they mailed them to every high school in the United States. Think about that. Every high school in the United States, things like integrity, honesty, gratitude, ambition, moral qualities, moral things, moral strength. I love the fact that it was our government that was promoting that in the public schools. I love the fact that there was, there was something there. I, I just can't imagine today's political environment that, that happening. Um, 
Uh, it, just, it just doesn't feel like it would happen. And uh, so over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about some of these topics. We're going we're to be, uh, I'm still developing the series. I'm not quite sure of all the topics. I have several of them sorted out. But we're going to be t- comparing, you know, in a world of consumerism, we're going to talk about the America's forgotten moral strength of moderation. In, in, a, in a world of disposable relationships, we're going to talk about the lost moral strength, the lost moral character of loyalty. In a world where everything goes, whatever I want, we're going to talk about integrity and, and uh, where we believe we're entitled, I think I deserve it. We're going to talk about gratitude. We're going to talk about where people are expecting things. We'll talk about ambition. And of course, in a, in a world of competition and individualism, we're going to talk about unity. Because we live in a culture, I think today, we live in a culture, many of us, that uh, really misses the virtue of honor. Everybody say honor. 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 Oh, that was good. I don't have to repeat that. I, I, I was, I was kind of curious how people demonstrate honor in different cultures. Because in America, oh, we'll come, I'll come back in a minute, but how people demonstrate culture in, uh, honor in different cultures is kind of interesting. Um, in Korea, of course, you go up and you shake someone's hand, but you don't just shake their hand and grab it. You hold your hand, hold, you put your arm under like this, and then you shake as if you are handing your hand to them. In America, we grab hands and shake, and you know it, there's there's something manly about that, and that's cool, and I like it. But um, <laughs> but in Korea, it's different. And then you give a gift. You always, when you go to see someone, you give them a gift, and you don't just say, "Hey, here's your gift." You hand it to them with two hands. They receive it with two hands. It's all very honorable. You bow. It's all about bestowing honor on the person in Korea. Um, I got a haircut this week, and the guy that cut my hair, uh, (laughs) I was getting kind of (laughs) shaggy. The guy that cut my hair is Vietnamese. And I said, how does the culture there, because his parents, he was was born there, and he came here like at age four. How, uh, how, how do they show there? And we were talking about the distinctions, and he said the, the, the best part of American culture that's better than what he did there is we celebrate birthdays. In Vietnam, they celebrate the death date of ancestors. There's something Buddhist in there, I think, um, where, you, where you're praying to them or something. But the point is that, you know, we have a big party because it's your birthday. We're all glad you're here. And there, they're kind of glad you're gone. I don't know if that's what the deal is. <laughs> okay, Japan... I had to pick on Japan because of my family's connections there. My son married a Japanese girl, and they go to Japan every so often. I said Jan, to my son, Ben, you know, talk to me about that. And he says, well, the most remarkable way they show honor, or the most obvious way, is, is with their language. There is a very formal di- uh, way of discussing things and a very informal way of doing it. And uh, you know, I think the closest we might have to that in the United States maybe might, might be in the South, where people are taught to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. <laughs> like a Southern Bell over here does. And, um, but it's even more than that. There's a very formal. So when Ben, for the first time, was in uh, Japan meeting uh, Junko's parents, he stepped it up and he spoke to them in a, very, in a very formal, respectful language, which might be different than if you're sitting together having, you know, at a soccer match or something. Um, that, but Japan is a very, very honor-driven society. You know, in fact, Ben described it as Klingon-ish. Where are my Star Trek fans in this room? Attaboy. Okay, because you know the Klingons, it's honor. It's honor, you know. And, but, here he, but Ben made this observation. He said just in the, the decade or so that he's really been in tune with their culture, he's seeing a sharp, disturbing decline in the amount of honor that's being given. 
Here's another one you might not know about, the Muslim culture. If you're ever offered, somebody invites you into their home and they're Muslim, and they offer you a cup of coffee, take it. The first cup of coffee is considered, uh, is considered salam or peace. If they offer you another one, take it. The second cup of coffee is sadaqah. That means friendship. First one is peace. Peace be upon you. Second one is friendship. If they offer you a third one, take that one too. It's a sayaf, which means the sword. Peace, friendship, the sword. If they've offered you a third cup, that's them saying, I will stand by you with my sword. Right or wrong, I will stand by you. That's a way of showing honor. Um, Interestingly enough, though, about the Muslim culture, which I'm not here to promote, obviously, um, the opposite of honor is not dishonor. The opposite is shame. And they have this proverb. There is a well-known, if you're in the Muslim, if you're a Muslim, there's a well-known proverb. It says this, where you are not known, do whatever you like. Think about that. Because you won't be held to shame if nobody knows who you are. Do whatever you want. That's why you'll see people who maybe um, um, from that culture are in America and they're carrying on and doing all of the stuff that that, uh, Islam condemns. But you'll see them doing it here because they're not known. their, their, Their tradition says it's fine. In the United States, how do we show honor? It's a really good question. Because all of those kinds of things, it's up for grabs. We live more or less in an honorless society. Now, I see it at times. I was um, one of the volunteers with a local high school this spring with their baseball program, and I did this little thing off the side. That, but I watched a couple of things, and I've seen this also at high school football games. If a football player gets injured, you ever notice what the players do, all the rest of the players do? They're all down on their knee. They're all down on their knee. They're watching. I think they're probably praying, some of them. But there is something of honor and respect there. But, but by and large, in America, we don't show a whole lot of honor. We just don't. It's just not our thing. You know, um, I want to give you a scriptural example of, of, of what happens when we don't show honor. Jesus was actually limited in what he was able to do because in his own hometown, in the place where the people should have honored him the most, they honored him the least. So here's some background. Jesus was uh, returning back. He'd been out ministering for a while. He was returning to his hometown. He had already, when he had ministered there earlier, maybe a year or so earlier, they had basically chased him away. And uh, in that time that he was away, he, would, he did a few th- pretty cool things. He turned water into wine. He, he raised some people from the dead. He made blind eyes see. He made deaf ears hear. He did some pretty spectacular miracles. So, um, so that's gone on. He even healed Peter's mother-in-law. Don't know why I thought it was important to tell you that, but he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Some people say that's why Peter denied him three times. Never mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Come on. Okay. So, so he does all those miracles, and he comes back to his own hometown, and he couldn't do very much because of their lack of honor and faith. Let's, let's take a look at this together, Mark chapter 6, and here are the words for, up on the wall for you. Verse, starting in, in 6, verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him, that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simeon? Aren't his sisters here with us? 
and they took offense at him. Isn't that the guy who just fixed your chair? Isn't he the guy that every time in school got 100% on every test and made the rest of us, you know, look bad? Didn't you date his sister? You know, they're saying things because they're offended. Isn't this just that ordinary guy? What's that all about? And Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. That word there used for without honor is, is a timos, means to be dishonored. It actually means to treat as common or ordinary. If you would like to have a common or ordinary marriage, let me tell you what to do. Dishonor your spouse. Treat them as common or ordinary. You know, at the beginning of the relationship, we're all in love and we do all of the things and we open the doors and we're polite and we listen, guys. We listen because we're trying to tune in and, and ladies, we, you know, we, dollar, we do all that stuff. And then over time, we start to take each other for granted in our relationships and we start treating, treating each other as common and every day. And what was once special becomes common because we've showed dishonor. The flip side of honor um, the Greek word for it is teme. It means to value, to respect, to um, give, give weight to it, to ascribe weight to it, to ascribe worth to it. I've got a baseball at home, um, and it's a special baseball um, because in 1963, the entire Spokane Indians Pacific Coast League baseball team all signed it. That was a pretty big deal to me in 1963 because, you know, I was still counting my age in single digits then. Some of you can do the math. Some of you can't do that kind of math, so that's your problem. Uh, uh, But anyway, so I got this baseball signed by the Spokane Indians, and I look at it now. It wasn't my baseball. It was my father's, and he used to take me to the games. I remember some pretty cool things about that. I remember the uh, Dodgers would come to town, the, the, the real Dodgers, because Spokane was a farm team, and these pretty spectacular players were in Spokane. It was Sandy Koufax. Two perfect, never mind, I'm going to get off on that. I'm gonna, two, two perfect games, you know, great, great, great players, heroes to me. But the local team, they had all signed this, this ball. It was my father's ball. And, um, and I never got to play with that ball. Couldn't play catch with it. Certainly couldn't hit the thing with a bat and let it go bouncing down the, the streets because I played baseball in paved streets a lot of times and certainly couldn't use it for that. It was, it was in a special place, in a special bowl. And um, so now, now it's mine and I keep it in a special place. I still don't play catch with I had lots of other common, ordinary baseballs. They would get scuffed and they would get dirty and all those kinds of things. I got you know, several of those, but I took that one special ball now that it's mine and I put it in a special place. I am kind of a pack rat. I, I'm sentimental. I keep stuff. But this one, I lifted it up and set it someplace special. Because honoring lifts things up. Dishonoring devalues them and tears them down. To honor someone is to believe the best about them. To dishonor is to not believe the best about them. Because that tears them down. I'll give you an example of a couple... Um, that Lisa and I knew years ago, there was a guy um, in this, well, this couple, and they were both Christians, and for whatever reasons, the husband would always make off-color comments, sexual innuendos, make these comments, mostly about his wife, and uh, it dishonored her. 
it not only dishonored her, it dishonored their marriage, but it just, just it wasn't good, it wasn't healthy, and it was a kind of a boneheaded thing that guys do sometimes when they're learning how to not do that kind of stuff, because that's the way we are, you know, we're learning and growing. But it continued and it continued, and, and uh, he didn't seem to hear it when his wife would tell him, and he didn't seem to hear it when, when I would tell him. And then this sweet little flower in the yellow over here um, decided to get up in his grill one day. <laughs> and she told him, you know, um, that not only dishonors your wife, it dishonors you, it dishonors all women. You need to stop it. In a loving way, she was loving and firm. <laughs> you know, and he said to her, you have to stop dishonoring your wife, especially in front of other people. Good point. That's really, that's really the, the point, because dishonoring tears people down and honoring lifts them up. A common viewpoint people have about doing that is, well, I'll start honoring that person when they start behaving honorably. But I want you to know that that's not necessary. Respect is earned. Honor is given. Honor is given. You can honor someone because of the position that they hold or their office. Honor is freely given. You can treat someone with honor before they're behaving honorably. And then the honor that you bestow on them will lift them up and they'll start to go there. It really will work. You don't have to go around dishonoring people. And, and you know, maybe the reason our country in part has got some of the problems that it has is that people devalue each other so much. Watch what happens when the, when the spirit of dishonor, what, see what that does to the Son of God. We continue where we left off. Verse 5, he says, He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He could not. It says he could not. Not that he would not. It says that he could not. Now, I don't fully understand that. I don't fully understand the theology of that. That's a challenge, you know, and I admit that to you. I've got to figure that out I, if, it, if it's figure outable. I'd like to know um, what's going on there. But it said he could not because they didn't honor around them. So, um, you know, we're part of this. It's a tragedy when our culture does that to us because for the most part there's, there's a lack of honor. So who does the Bible teach us that we should honor? I'm going to give you what I think, are, there are several in there, but I'm going to give you what I think are the top three and we won't spend too much time on this. Number one, I think that we're supposed to honor is parents. We find that in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your parents so that you have a long life. Honor, the, the word elsewhere says, so that things may go well with you. You can, you know, we can be, we can be, as a culture, one of the most dishonoring cultures towards parents. I mean, I think it breaks the Lord's heart when he watches um, a teenager with their mouth dishonoring their parents. And that was me. I've done that. I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> Jesus forgave me. That's why I asked for forgiveness right here in front of all these people. You have to. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's just dishonoring not only to parents, but to the one whose mouth is, is at work there. So honor your parents. Second one uh, the Bible teaches after parents, it says, those in authority over us. Romans 13, 6 and 7 says, this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Lisa and I were, happened to be in Washington, D.C. Um, 
four or five years ago for um, a convention and uh, Memorial Day weekend. And we went to Arlington Cemetery. We didn't go on Memorial Day. We were doing other things. But um, they, of course, as you might guess, Arlington, the little, you know, the little flags, <laughs> a kajillion of them lined up. And watching the ceremony of the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier was so much honor. You could slice it with a knife. We, um, we had wanted to go and tour the White House um, and things changed after 9-11, you know, to go to tour the White House. It's not, it wasn't quite so easy. And although we had done all of the advance requests that we had, were supposed to have made, it, we had never gotten approval. And while we were, it was kind of fun, while we were there, um, we were at this hotel, and I get this phone call from our congressman's office. And they said, hey, we are so sorry that we have let you down. We've made arrangements for you to go to the White House. Wow, cool. Well, we didn't think we were going to go, so for the most part, I was pretty... I had packed pretty casual. Even though I was going to a convention, you see me here with long pants, but the truth is, most of my life, I live in shorts. You know? I hope that's okay with you. Um, in February, I put on long pants, and that's about it. So, and Sundays, because I know it would scare you, the white flash of my white legs. <laughs> so I had casual clothes. We took time and money, and I went to a nice department store, and I bought clothes. I mean, I was only in the White House for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, less than an hour. Um, but I was not going to go to the place where the person oversees our nation in anything less than the most respectful I could. So I bought slacks. I have a White House tie. Now, it's not a tie that says the White House on it. It's a tie that I bought at Nordstrom to wear at the White House. I mean, I bought slacks and a shirt. I mean, I bought the works. Because just as a tourist, I wanted to show respect in that place. Because what would happen if I'm wandering through there and the president would come out and I got a shirt on that says, you know, eat Fruit Loops or something. I mean, <laughs> I don't have such a shirt. But, <laughs> but, but you know, I just, I just couldn't do that. I, I felt like it would be dishonoring to my president, to the office of the president. If you play sports, honor your coach. Honor your coach. If you go to school, honor your teacher. Even the guy holding the little stop sign that makes you wait because of the construction zone, honor them. They're doing their job. They're trying to make progress. Honor them. Honor your boss. You might be smarter than your boss. You probably are. Most of us are smarter than our boss. You might be. Honor him anyway, or her. You want to be the boss someday? Believe me, as the Lord shapes you to be a leader, he's going to teach you how to be a follower before he ever allows you to be the leader. Honor your boss. Ladies, if you don't like the way your husband leads, he's not that great a leader, honor him anyway. Lift him up. Not because he's honorable, but because you want him to be. If you treat him as ordinary and common, he's not going to ever feel empowered to lead. And if you honor him, he'll grow into the leader. God, Okay, so um, parents, those in authority, number three on the list, our pastors and our leaders, those spiritually leading and teaching us. 
1 Timothy 5.17 says this, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now, I stewed over whether to share that scripture because it seems self-serving, but that's the word of God, so that's why you got it. Okay? That's just part of the deal. Um, it's a biblical mandate that we honor those who work spiritually leading us and, uh, and teaching us well. Now, you don't do that by shoving a pedestal underneath there. People, leaders in the church hate that. We do. Because there is, we, we only will present in this church one person ever, and that is Jesus Christ. That is all, the only personality we will ever present here and put forward. But there is a way that you should honor your spiritual leaders. When they come to you and they cast vision, when they try to lead, honor those things. Because they're driven by someone who's trying to help. Scripture says to do that. And you know, um, I've been a leader in the body of Christ for quite a long time and, and a pastor and doing those different things. And part of my responsibilities has been, I mean, I've had um, responsibilities outside of the churches that I've been pastoring in. I mean, at times I've been involved in helping to put out these range wars that will come up sometimes in churches. You know what I'm talking about? Churches can kind of get to where there's, <laughs> there can be some problems. We don't have that here. I'm thankful for the peace that's here. I'm thankful for the church council that, that loves you and prays for you. And um, we have peace here, and that's uh, uh, one of the good reasons. But, but I've been uh, put into situations like, hey, there's a mess down here. Terry, go work on that. And I've gotten there, and I've found these, these range wars going on. And um, they're very often caused because somebody somewhere has an agenda, and they've taken on a political path in order to seize authority and control over something that the Lord never called them to. And if instead there was an honoring of the office, most of those kinds of things would go away. So I would say this about you. This is one of the most honoring places. You know, Lisa and I have been in a lot of places, and I am very grateful for, um, for the friendly, you know, because, because I, we've only been here for, what, eight or nine, ten months. But I know this, that when we start talking about some things that we have vision for, it's, it's, it's more common people here say, you know, if you lead us, we're going to go there because, you know, come on, what's your vision? And you know what that does? When a church responds that way to its leader or to its leaders, it makes the leaders go, wow, God, I got to get with God to make sure I lead correctly here. It really empowers and it's really a good thing. It lifts, it, it lifts that up. So I've got an assignment for you. Romans 12.10. Here's an assignment. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So today, when service is over and you go back there and you pick your kids up from the nursery, which has got like 400 kids in it today, it's full. (laughs) When you go in there, make sure you look them in the eye and say, thank you. You're going in there to find someone who is giving their time to take care of your child They're loving, they're sharing the gospel, they're changing diapers, they're doing all that stuff out of love. Make sure you honor them. Next week, you bring them a cup of coffee or a flower, or when you see them at the store, you take them in and say, hey, thanks for what you did with my kids. Those little comments are honoring and they're righteous and they put something of life in there. Do that. After church, if you, you, know, you go around the corner, you'll find somebody's been making coffee for you and there's some cookies in there and, and so forth. Thank the people that are, that are doing that. If, uh, if you want a great marriage, outdo your spouse by loving and honoring your spouse. I want to take just a minute, if I can, take my bully pulpit here and I want to honor some specific people. Now, the first person I want to honor is someone who um, has 
been my best friend and is my best friend. I want to honor her because of all of the quiet price that she has suffered through as I've grown and mistakes I've made and the cost of me saying, off into ministry we go and the pain and the difficulty and the cost of that. And you have become more honorable and more godly every day. I've known you. You love the Lord more. You pour your life into ministry more. And after church, I am going to kiss you hard. (laughs) Um, I want to (laughs) honor... I want to honor <laughs> I want to honor the church staff and leadership. You know, um, I'm really grateful for the people who quietly, consistently give of their time and effort to lead you in worship well, to do the technical things, to run the office, to take care of facilities that pray, the council. I mean, I am grateful for the godly people. When there's peace in a church, there's reasons why it's peace. there's peace in a church, and, um, and uh, I'm grateful. I want to honor publicly two pastors in my life. Some of you will know both of these. Some of you may not know either one of them. First one I want to thank is a guy named Ron Long. He was the pastor who saw something in me and said, come on into full-time ministry. He decided to take a risk and a chance with me a long time ago. And he's not in ministry right now, and that doesn't matter. He's a pastor who honor, honorably served God, and I honor him. The other pastor I want to, I want to uh, publicly honor is not here either. He's my pastor, and that's Bert Smith. Um, he decided that he saw something in, in me worth extracting, worth mining out. Sometimes mining, you have to take you know, diamond-tipped drills and things that blow up and explosives, and that's how you get down there. But he did that. He was willing to press down with me and he has become a really close friend and a wonderful mentor. Another group of people I want to honor is you. I don't know how godly this is, but when I'm not here and people say, hey, how are things at the church in Crossroads? I say, this is the most friendly group of people in the universe. And I'm not making that up. You carry with you the ability to make people feel loved because you do. How many conversations I've had with people in this room who've said, oh, but we need to, we, we, that you care, how you care for the people in your community. You are a wonderful, godly group of people, and we're going to make a difference. We're making a difference now. We're going to make a bigger difference, and uh, I honor you. But above all else, I want to honor the King, the Son of God, the one who chose to freely lay every bit of authority and every bit of power down and uh, take upon him all the vulnerabilities and fragile nature of human living and come and take the same temptations you and I have taken, stand up underneath them, and then die. What a matchless heart of love. God, I honor you. I honor you right now, Lord. Why is it that our culture might be, be able to be described as without honor? I think the reason our culture is dishonoring is because people are not honoring God. All true honor comes out of a heart of surrender, heart surrender to the King of Kings. Psalm 22, 23 says, Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. The problem is that we're treating God as common. We're way too familiar with him. He's not the big guy upstairs. He's not the big man. He's not my homeboy, Jesus. 
He's not your homeboy. He's also not this precious little six pound, eight ounce baby laying in a manger. He's the soon and coming king. He's the healer. He's the baptizer. He's the one who carries all power with him. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the one who loves you past your sin. He's the one who laid it all down to save you. We don't treat God ordinary because we see who he is. And when we see who he is, we'll treat other people differently because his name is written on our hearts. There have been a whole bunch of home runs hit in Yankee Stadium. The old one. A whole bunch of home runs there. And um, um, you probably have heard of Babe Ruth. You've heard of Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, um, he hit, he had, he had, there were seven known bats that he signed that were home run bats. Hit a home run with it, signed it, and gave away seven of them. Six of them were tracked, and everybody knew where they were, but one of them fell out of circulation for a long period of time. It was the very first home run that he hit in the newly opened Yankee Stadium in 1923. He hits a home run, and he gave it away to um, a newspaper in Los Angeles in 1923 for them to use as the prize in a high school home run contest in Los Angeles in 1923. So he, he, this is the very first home run bat signed by Babe Ruth, given away. Uh, a guy named uh, Victor Orsati had to look that up. Won this home run contest as a high school player in 1923. They gave him the bat. He takes it home with him, and it kind of disappears. Nobody knows what happens. 50, 60 years later, six of uh, Babe Ruth's signed home run bats are in circulation, but one's not, one's not there. Victor um, outlives his entire family. This true story. He outlives his entire family, and uh, the only person close to him at the time of his death was the woman who had cared for him, his nurse, and she had cared for him for some time. And so when he died, he gave everything to her, including his bat. And she didn't know what to do with it. You know, he wasn't rich. He just had this stuff. He gave it to her. So she knew what to do with it. So she stuck it underneath her bed, safest place she had, kept it there for 18 years. 18 years. 18 years goes by. Now she's trying to chart out her future, and she, uh, she's thinking, I need some money. She wants to open up a business, and she doesn't have any money. She's got other financial pressures. She's just trying to figure out what to do. Oh, there's this bat that some guy signed under the bed. So she takes the bat, and all the provenance, you know, the records that say what, where it came from. She takes it into a card shop in Chicago in 2002 and says, hey, is this bat worth anything? And, of course, the guy looks at it, you know, looks at it, eyes pop out of his head and um, calls some other people in there looking at it. And he says, you know, I think this is the missing bat. This is Babe Ruth's missing bat. And they called in some other people and they verified that it was his bat. Here you see it. And uh, so they decided to sell it. She decided to raise the money and sell it. In 2004, after it had been paraded to a few different card shows in different places, the thing went on the auction block, and it sold for just under $1.3 million. $1.3 million. So what did she do with the money? Well, she opened her restaurant, but that left a lot of money left over. And she took all that money that was left over and she gave it away to a youth program at an orphanage in Mexico. And she was being interviewed after that, saying, you know, okay, 
pretty cool that you didn't realize you had got this wonderful bat as a gift, but why'd you give all that money to the orphanage? Here was her answer. The bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth put his name on it. And the only way that I could properly honor him and his name was to honor what was important to him. And this youth program was important to him. So I did it to honor him. You, you are valuable. Because of what Jesus did, his name is written on your heart. And the only reasonable response you have, the only reasonable response is to live your life in a way that honor the one who wrote his name there. Sadly, here's what the Bible says often happens. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I'm not saying that's you. In fact, I'm saying this church and this generation will not be a church that gives God lip service. We're going to be a people who give God heart honor. That's what we do here because he's truly worthy of our glory and honor and praise. When we realize who we are because of what he did, it helps us to honor the people around us because, now catch this, he thought they were so valuable, he laid his life down for them. How can you and I decide that they're not worthy of honor because of what he did? When we know who he is and we honor him, we will reclaim the lost virtue for our country of honor. We choose to lift each other up, we'll esteem value to them. Let's pray. Lord, I ask right now for you to do your supernatural, loving thing, something that I can't do with persuasion or words. And that, Lord, you would take the truth of what I've said, whatever's true in there, and plant it down deep into our hearts, God. Lord, maybe some here haven't shown honor when they should have. And it's been intentional. We've struggled because we've been hurt. Or maybe it hasn't been intentional. Maybe it's been inadvertent. We just haven't invested the effort that we thought that we know we should have. If that's you and you've had the Holy Spirit nudging your heart right now and the Lord is speaking to you that to honor God, you need to honor other people and you'd say to him, Lord, help me to be more honoring. Just show him your hand up and down real quick. Eyes are closed. Thank you for that, Lord. God, I want to thank you for the hands in this room, for hearts willing to become more honoring. How you've honored us. I also, also, while we're praying, want to talk to anybody here who, when I talked before earlier in the service about fear, Christians pray. When I talked about fear, you're just not certain about eternity. We just need to settle that today. We just need to settle that today. Because here's how Jesus honored you. While you were still sinning, while you were still debating whether you would honor God, while all of that was going on, he freely chose to pay the price of your failures. All your sin and failures, just like we sang earlier, he paid the price for all of that. And you will never attain worth 
until he writes his name upon your heart. The word says that all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. If you want to settle this issue and not have fear about eternity, you need to open your heart to the Lord. It's as simple as that. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm asking you to say, yes, I call out the name of Jesus. Be my Savior, Lord. If you'd like to do that, would you just, while everybody's eyes are closed, just look up at me and let me agree with you. Praise your name, Lord. Praise your name, God. Okay. Now, Lord, I just pray, too, that um, as we begin to try to reclaim forgotten virtues and forgotten moral strength, that, Lord, you would just cause those things to well up within us because we want to glorify you with our lives. We thank you for loving us the way you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Church, I, uh, I felt a couple of things that the Lord...